again. All right. Um, so the scripture this morning is from Mark um, chapters 9 and 10. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Well, good morning again. Uh, I, just, I just keep shaking my head. There's been any number of times as we've go, been going through the book of Mark that the timing has just worked out so well. And here we are in Mark at the end of chapter 9 as we've been working our way through. And then now into chapter 10 where there's, this, there's little, these little vignettes with Jesus' life and his ministry that are centered around children. And so I was just like, wow, with all this happening, it'll be fun to kind of focus on that and think about that. Jesus absolutely changed the way we view and care for kids. Uh, use the Silicon Valley buzzword, he disrupted things. Uh, back then in the ancient world, uh, things were a lot different. Uh, for instance, uh, little children, babies, often had very little, if any, dignity at all. Uh, many babies did not make it past eight days. There was a practice in the early Roman uh, world uh, called exposure, where the head of the household had the right to determine life or death for any member of their family. And often these babies wouldn't make it past uh, day eight. And the common reasons that were given were uh, poverty, were uh, a kid was born into a wealthy family, which that was more the idea of they didn't want to, you know, spread the wealth of the estate to another head. Uh, the baby was born of the, quote, wrong gender, or the baby was born illegitimately. Uh, in my research, I was actually, uh, this was, I found this interesting. There were a lot of clubs uh, for kids in the, uh, excuse me, for, for adults in the, in the Roman world, a lot of associations. But all of the qualities uh, that, that kids have, their lack of strength, their lowliness, their sense of dependence on others, uh, kept them, disqualified them for any of these clubs until Jesus came along and said words like, the kingdom of God is welcome to these. Um, and you, we have to think that at that time, that thought would have never occurred to anyone on this planet. Never would have occurred. And yet Jesus was saying, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Everything changed. And from that moment, this grassroots, from the bottom up, movement started to spread. Christians started to take care of kids in, in unprecedented ways. For instance, they started to tackle poverty because Jesus said take care of the poor. But they also have, we have early church uh, leaders saying, let's not just take care of the poor. Let's, uh, we need to take care of the poor in order to help kids. If we take care of their families, then we'll be able to help them. Uh, orphanages, as I'm sure you knew, uh, started to spring up because people didn't know what to do with their babies, so they, they, the church is going to take care of it. The, the, this monastery will take care of it. And so 
uh, there was this real shift in thinking and care for kids. Uh, listen to how uh, uh, John Ortberg puts this, where I've gotten uh, some of this research. He, he summarizes this thought with saying, merely claiming a religious label is no more a guarantee of family health now than it was for Adam and Eve. But those who live in a culture truly touched and changed by Christianity view individuals differently because of Jesus, whatever they might think of him. The ordinary and the lowly have great dignity. All children should live. All human beings are created equal. So Jesus absolutely disrupted the way we view and care for kids, and the implications of that still are, being, are still being felt today and should still have bearing in our lives spiritually. And so we're going to think about that as individuals and as a church. What is Jesus' thoughts then? have to do with today in terms of how we care for and indeed learn from kids. Uh, three thoughts, that's the first one. There's an encouragement actually to learn from kids. Uh, did you notice that in these two stories, uh, they both lead towards Jesus pointing to a child as the model, as the example to learn from? The first story is these disciples were in the middle of arguing about who's the greatest. Okay, that's next, next week's sermon. I think it's going to be very applicable to Silicon Valley. What do we think of as great? Uh, but what Jesus does in that moment is if you look at chapter 9, verse 36, he said he took the little child, he took a little child whom he placed among them, that is the disciples, taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes me, he's saying, look, you guys got to look at this child as a model. And then even more poignantly, when the people were bringing Jesus, uh, Jesus these little ones, the disciples started to rebuke the parents. And Jesus said, you can't do this. He rebuked them. He said, let them come to me. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Again, that's crazy thought, new thought. But he went on to say, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. In other words, we need to learn from kids in terms of this faith thing that Jesus is talking about. Uh, we talked about this about a year ago in, as a launch team, as a group of folks who were like committed to, oh, we're going to start this church, see what happens. And we were talking about the kids' ministry, and I looked uh, real briefly at this text to, to consider, hey, what are, how do we want this children's ministry? How do we want to care for these, these people? What is that going to look like? And I remember we were talking about a thought similar to this of how we need to learn from the kids, and th they're a model for us. And uh, about that time, about a week later, uh, one of our leaders uh, uh, and I were talking, and he was saying, yeah, you know, it's really interesting. My three-year-old girl, she's now four, three-year-old girl, uh, she, she normally is not the biggest into wanting to pray, you know, just kind of running around. Hey, do you want to pray? No, not really. But one day that, that week, she came up and said, hey, I want, I want to pray. And, and he's like, well, well, of course. Yeah, you, you pray. And she prayed this prayer. God, thank you for how much Jesus loves me. Amen. A little three-year-old. And he was saying, this has really influenced my prayer life. I'm, I'm starting my prayers like that. And when he was telling me that, I had heard prayers that he had prayed that started with that. God, thank you for how much Jesus loves me. And I had started to pray that prayer. I still pray that prayer, actually. And with the thought of, what a pure prayer. Because so often, whether you're Christian or you're just reaching out to God, if he's there with a, with a thought of prayer, don't we often do it this way? You know, we check the microphone, see if it's on, and say, okay, I've got a list here, God. Uh, let's get to it. Okay, can you help me with this? But we forget that it really comes down to receiving God for who he is and say, God, thank you for how much you love me. And so I've been praying that way with my kids. And here this week, as I'm studying for this text, it hit me. Oh, my goodness. This little then three-year-old influenced her dad, who influenced me, who's now influencing my little ones. 
and I just use it as a sermon illustration. So maybe it's influ- it's amazing how we need to learn from little ones, but not just learn anything. We need to learn specifically how they receive God's love. Uh, how do they receive God's love? They receive it. They accept it. They let it. It's like my uh, my my little guy, uh, five year old and three year old. Uh, if they ever give you a hug or say, "Hey, can you give him a hug," they'll just walk up to you and just kind of like you know give you the shoulder because just you know they're just going to receive that hug. That's what they're going to do. Uh, we just need to receive. You know, adults, we we complicate things, do we not? When we receive love, I mean, I thought about it this way. Have you ever? Maybe you haven't. Have you ever, when you've gotten a birthday present from somebody, say like outside of your, your family, and the next thought you have is, oh man, okay, I got to write down on the calendar when their birthday is so that I can get them a gift. And oh, how much did they spend on that gift last year? Okay, it was about, I mean, that's how we work, right? I mean, you know, I'm having fun with that. There are cultures today that literally say, be weary, they teach their youth this, be weary of so readily accepting favors or gifts from others because you will then owe them. You will be indebted to them. But little kids, when they receive God's love, it's one of those things. They just receive it. Now, why? Why is that important? Why would Jesus really stress this? Because that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to do what we cannot do for ourselves by living the life that we can't live and dying the death that we deserve. And the only thing we can do is receive that like a little child. Because we can't achieve that, we can't earn that, we can't pay him back for that. Just like my three-year-old can't pay the bills. Ask her to clean up the room. That does, you know, that's a hard task. Even it, we just receive it. And Jesus is saying, "I tell you the truth. You have to receive the kingdom of God like a little child, or you'll never enter it." Now, as we've been going through the book of Mark, we've noticed some adults who have actually gotten this. Wouldn't you say if you've been here with us? For instance, last week was the guy with his little son who was having trouble. Uh, you know, he came to Jesus. He received God's love. A couple weeks back, the Syrophoenician gal with her daughter, she received Jesus like a child. You know, the woman who'd been bleeding for a number of years. Jairus and his daughter, if you remember any of the stories, what was the common denominator in all of those stories? They were all so desperate. They, des- they knew their desperation before Jesus, which sadly is often how it works for us as adults, does it not? Flipping that on its head, who are the people who have not received Jesus like a little child up to this point? Top of that list, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, teachers of the law. Why? Because they came at Jesus of, hey, Jesus, we know better. Do these things. We've done these things. You need to teach your disciples. Do this and that. Jesus saying, no, no, no. You need to understand that you need to receive me as a little child. And the disciples kind of fall in between there, which is so encouraging because I fall in between there. Some days I'm very much like this, and some days I, because of my desperation or whatever. How do you receive God's love? He wants you to receive it like a little child. Uh, have you ever thought about this thought, th- this idea of learning from a little one? Um, it's, it's a fascinating thought to think about. Even today I feel like that's kind of disruptive, is it not? To think about receiving God's love um, from a little child. H- how, how can you do that? Um, Second thought here, and we're moving quickly because of today's festivities, but is we see here that we need to give special care and honor to the little ones. Uh, First there's a warning, then there's an invitation. So here's the warning. 
verse 42 of chapter 9, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them in a lar- if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. Now, when I first read that as like, I don't know, 16 or 17-year-old, and I was like kind of thinking what that meant, I like found myself holding my neck like, this is intense. I mean, for Jesus, this is pretty jarring language. And I think that's the point. Jesus makes a big point of we, re- we need to really care for kids. By the way, he also makes the point we re- really need to care for widows. Why? Because they're folks who can't necessarily care as well for themselves. And so he uses really heavy language because he takes this pretty seriously. We've got to take this very seriously. And not just watching over their physical well-being, but watching after them spiritually. We can't just be cavalier when kids are around. Hey, let's just do this and... We can't cause them, the warning here is can't cause them to stumble. God takes that very seriously. Uh, the other thought here is there's a, there's a beautiful invitation. Uh, again, the disciples were, were uh, keeping the parents with their young ones from bringing them to Jesus to bless them. Uh, it says, that, you know, they were, they were kind of annoyed at the parents, which, by the way, makes sense. Wouldn't you say, given what I told you the culture was like back then? The whole line of thinking back then was, well, kids aren't really special. They don't have the dignity that we more like more give them today. And so they were doing that. We, we have to figure, okay, they were kind of like, you know, hitting, hitting average there. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. And he rebukes them. He says, let them come to me. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Their error was they were preventing the kids from coming to Jesus. So flipping that on its head, you know what our purpose here is when it comes to kids? You know what our vision and, and thought of for the kids' ministry? It's really straightforward. It's to fil- facilitate kids to coming to understand and know Jesus. It's a personal relationship. Why does that matter? Um, it seems to me, uh, you know, you might think, well, David, that, that sounds pretty obvious. Isn't that a duh statement? You know, bringing kids to Jesus in a church. I mean, the kids are back there right now learning Bible stories, doing crafts, all that sort of thing, having a blast with, the, with, our, with our helpers. They're back there learning Bible studies, not primarily for the sake of head knowledge, which is good. They're back there learning the Bible, not primarily for the sake of learning morality, which is good. They're back there primarily learning about God's love for them and you think about this, and I don't have to say the statistics. We all know them. A lot of kids, when they grow up and they're 18, they go to college for the first time, they're leaving the church in greater numbers than ever before. I can't help but think if they see folks who are living their lives, helping them come to Jesus for who he is, and not a list of shoulds and should nots, do's and don'ts being the stress, that that'll have an impact. Um, you know, Jesus at one point said, all of the Bible points to me. You know, the way he said is Moses, starting with Moses and then through the prophets, they all point to me and what I have done for you, specifically the cross, uh, who I am and what I've done for you. In other words, that is the goal of the Bible is to teach them that God loves them. And so, for instance, shoulds and should nots, that's in there. We all know that's in the Bible. But there are places in the Bible, for instance, Galatians 3, that says, you know what those lists are for, those rules and regulations, that law? It's really, at the end of the day, to point you to our need for Jesus. And kids need to know that and see that and witness that. Uh, We're going to talk about that here more in a second. But, you know, for for starters, I just want to say this. If you are working in our kids' ministry, uh, 
we love you guys. I mean, you guys are our heroes. And I know there's a bit of an irony here because, you know, there's a number of them back there right now. Uh, and they're not hearing this. Hopefully they hear this online. Um, but you are our heroes. Do you know why you're our heroes? Jesus said, whoever welcomes children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. You are our heroes because you are Jesus' heroes. If you were a kid's worker and you're ever back there like, what is going on? These kids are running, bouncing off the walls. Are they, you know, Play-Doh everywhere? Like, did they learn anything? Jesus is honored by what you're doing. And by the way, that's a tremendous impact. Not just now in the kids' lives, but down the road. So we just want to say thank you. Actually, can we go ahead and just clap and thank the kids' workers? Again. This is not a sermon to recruit kids workers, okay? But if you want to join, you can join. Um, but this, the second thought, it, to, to carry on that thought actually, is to say it's not just in a formal setting that we get the opportunity to point people to Jesus and allow him into his arms. It, it, allow them to experience him and not prevent them from experiencing him. It happens in, in this room, out there in the coffee. You know, um, when, I was, when I was a little guy, uh, about 12 years old, my brother was eight uh, we consisted of basically the entire children's ministry at our old church because uh, it was a church start in right next to the UC Berkeley campus, which meant 80 to 90 percent of the folks at that church were college students. So th- my brother and I were just kind of there like, OK. And I remember there was this one gal who came in freshman in college, uh, Jenny Yap, and she uh, she came in and she said, OK, David, Peter, uh, I don't really um, um, I don't really know what I'm doing here. Uh but we'll figure it out, okay? Peter and I looked at each other like, okay, that sounds good. I don't remember a single lesson she taught us from the Bible. I don't remember a single lesson, okay? But uh, to finish that thought, it is in here, though. You remember that. I mean, it just takes different forms. I don't remember a single lesson from the Bible, but I do remember how seriously she took her faith in that sort of cultural context. I remember that. I remember aspiring to that, wanting that intuitively understanding that, and that's how kids work, do we not? Uh, you know, okay, I'm not kidding anymore, but don't we? I mean, you think about some of the memories of when you were a little guy or gal. You, you, you picked up a lot more than we tend to think they're picking up as we age, which is a warning to parents and all that, but um, they, they're just so intuitive, and that happens in the faith realm. Uh, it's not just when you're, you're, you're back there with the kids. It's, it's back there when they hear you in conversation. It's when you're over at our house having dinner at night. It's them seeing you take, that was Berkeley. That was the kind of environment where professors would literally say, when I got to be a, a student there, professors would literally say, if you're a Christian here, you might not want to take the rest of this class because you, you probably won't have your faith at the end of it. This is Silicon Valley. I mean, people won't say it quite like that, but I mean, this is Silicon Valley. Okay, I'm talking, I've been talking as a pastor, now to talk as a parent, as a dad. I am so thrilled that my little five-year-old and three-year-old get to rub shoulders with you guys. I get a little emotional as I say that. I love that because you guys are strong women and men. Uh, a lot of you, if, you, you, if this is you, you, you take your faith very seriously. You're trying to figure it out. You're not trying to like make, you know, make it be what it's not. and You're living it out because it's a relationship. I can't help but think for our little ones, what a gift. And that's, by the way, why we say it takes a village. That's why when we prayed here, it takes a village. They're, 
you're ushering them to, to see Jesus, to be run into his arms, understand who he is and his love for you. You're not preventing him by doing all these sorts of things. And that's what this is all about. And I want to say one more thing before moving on to the next thought. If you are a parent or a parent-to-be in the future, um, and you feel ill-equipped, ill-prepared, uh, first of all, join the club on that. Uh, but know that, you know, as you know, Christ followers, those of you who identify as this, what's our whole goal in all this? It's to do what the parents are doing here. Just bring our kids to Jesus and let him do what he's going to do in their lives. And not and learn what Jesus is saying from the anti-example of the disciples. And that is just say, and we just want to help that. We just want to facilitate that. So if you don't have it all figured out, join the club. But, you know, we're, we're in this together. This is, we love to say it takes a village. This is a church family. I love this. Uh, so we need to honor and care for the kids. And then finally, here's this last thought. Um, I just love the power befi- behind what Jesus is saying. Because Jesus came born as a baby and lived life as a child. David, that sounds pretty straightforward. It sounds like the natural sequence of things. Yeah, okay. But think of it this way. I mean, the Hebrews writer put it this way, talking about Jesus. Uh, He, God the Father, has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Love that little one. Do what you need to do. I, I like the sound of that. Um, here's what that's saying. Jesus is the one who at the beginning of time spoke the words, let there be light. He is the one who holds all of creation in order by the power of his word. He became a lowly, undignified baby and child in that culture, as that culture would perceive him. He became, and he actually was lost by his parents. You guys know this story? It's right after the Christmas story. We, it's one that's often overlooked because you do Christmas. A lot of people know Christmas, even if you've grown up in church. You know the Christmas story. But then you don't know about this little one because we go back to what we're studying over here in the church. There's this little story where Mary and Joseph lost Jesus, which is so funny. I mean, if you've ever lost a, your kid, there's grace for you. I mean, you got to figure Mary and Joseph had some grace. But anyways, Jesus became a little, why did he do all that? The gospel is he became a child to welcome us into God's family as children. To those who believe on his name, to those who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. This is the gospel. This is what this is all about. But not, by the way, just any children. There's a novelist, George MacDonald, who used to write a lot about, he took a lot of pleasure in writing about princesses and, and princes. And he was once asked, like, what's the deal, dude? Like, why, why are you writing always about princesses? And he said, well, every little girl is a princess. And this questioner was like, well, that's kind of, you know, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, what is a princess? And this questioner said, uh, the daughter of a king. And McDonald said, very well then. Every little girl is a princess. Every child, every person is a child of the king. We are all in God's family, and that is what Jesus came to do after being born the Son of God as a Son of Man, living the life we, could, we couldn't live, and dying the death that we couldn't, couldn't live in order, in order to bring us into his family as children, in order to rescue us and love us. And we, the only way we can receive that is like a little child. So to, to conclude with this thought, how can you receive God's love for you like a little child? 
for you, and it might mean today, understanding that you can make that decision for the first time. And it's not what you have to perform, what you have to do, what you have to pay back. The things that you've done in the past, God knows all those things. He sent his son to die for you and for those things. And the way you receive that is just like a little child. And you say, thank you. You just kind of rub up into his arms. Or if you've put your faith in the Lord, it can mean any number of things. I mean, it might mean tough love type deal. You know, you, there's some things in your life that, you know, little children, man, they handle rebuke so much better than we, you know, or just discipline or however you want to put it. But it's like this, this past week, I was like, Maddie, you know, no more cookies, okay, baby girl? And she's like, no, I want my cookie. Um, well, that's how I put it. Um, but she's like, I was like, sweetheart, no more cookies, okay? She's like, okay, daddy. Um, now, does she understand as a little three-year-old that that cookie, you know, make her tummy upset? Probably that one. Does she know that that cookie will make her bounce off the walls? Probably not. That's different to what I care Well, mommy and daddy think different. Anyways, um, I tested it right after that moment. I said, Maddie, you know how much daddy loves you? And her frown went to a huge smile. A lot. She, she does this little thing. But she just, I mean, and I just, I had that moment of like, oh my goodness, like that is so cool. Like she doesn't really understand the whole cookie, not cookie thing, but she just receives this love that I give. I mean, sometimes that's where we're at. The biggest thought I would encourage all of us to think about wherever you're at is to receive God's love is just to really say thank you. I don't deserve it. Uh, you know, thank you. You can do that here as we sing the rest of these songs. You can do that in prayer like this little one uh, has taught me to pray. God, thank you for how much Jesus loves us. But there's, there's any number of ways for you to consider what does it mean to, to receive God's kingdom like a little child. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you came. Father, thank you that you sent your son to be born among us as a child. Vulnerable without dignity, especially in that culture. Even facing genocide under Herod, I mean, the Christmas story is pretty, pretty brutal. In order to ultimately receive us as children because of his death and resurrection. Uh, so Lord, we thank you. And would, you, would you help us receive your love like little children? We just confess that oftentimes we make it like the religious leaders back then, more complicated than it needs to be. We feel guilty because we've done this or that. We've, we feel like we don't measure up because we're not doing this or that, when really we just need to just receive your love. Uh, would you help us in this as a church? And thank you again for the precious little ones you've given us. Would you help us, even, even as we're trying, you know, receiving your love and goodness, uh, would you help us point them to Jesus? We ask in Jesus' name, amen.